So we've been dealing in the um, Escaping Babylon series, and it's been a great series so far. I know that just the testimonies that I'm hearing from communities and just what God is doing um, is really like God is unearthing something um, and I think opening up and really revealing his heart for us as a church. And it really feels like this is a defining moment for us as not just Josh Jane, but I believe the church in the way that we go forward. Because um, you can see there's some, you know, almost in a sense, I think Andrew calls it like holy cows that he is um, addressing. And it's going to set a pace. It's going to set a direction for us in the way that we go forward. And last week, really did an amazing job um, in just speaking to us about what these things, what does it look like? What does Babylon represent? What is the dragon? What is the influence of it? Um, and I think for all of us, or we're quite shocked at when you look at that. I can't remember what the name is of that artificial intelligence. Um, hey? TTG. Okay, 3GPT. Okay. Um, but what 3GPT, just what it, what it learns and what it's learning and what it's coming up with, with the same information that me and you have daily. And to see that what it comes up with is really, I think, to all of us, I mean, I knew it, but I didn't know it that much. If that makes sense, what I'm saying. And so this morning, we want to carry on in that. Um, and I want to encourage us in regards to community to really make every effort to make time to get there. Um, it really is, I, I believe, there's something special in when we come together, God speaks and God opens up something and we all get to contribute and all get to get to hear together what God is doing. I think there's something special about that. And I want to encourage us to not miss out on those moments because I believe they're there to build us up and build us together. They're there to bind us and bring us together with one another, but also with God. Amen. Because in the last days, we are going to need one another. <laughs> we need one another today. Today is... Last days. I think something that I've taken out and not just taken out, but they've been again so made aware of in this week is we do not know tomorrow. If we're thinking Jesus is coming soon, he's coming next year, he's coming, I want to say to you, Jesus can come today or you can go to him today. Either way, this is what we have. And so we need to be extremely um, pointed and extremely um, invested in the moment here. Taking what we can from it. Learning what we can. Loving where we're able to. Forgiving where the opportunity gives itself. Contributing to where there's need. Giving ourselves every moment. If we get that opportunity because we don't know what's going to happen 10 minutes from now. And in that moment, that opportunity gets taken away. And so I want to encourage us. I know this is maybe coming across a bit heavy. Um, but I, I do believe this is, this is the truth of the matter. And this is where we need to, where we need to be sober-minded, especially in this day. That we can't afford to be, to be um, kind of have claps on our eyes and not see things the way they need to be seen. Because it's going to ill-prepare us if we get to that place. And we want to be prepared to stand. And so this morning, as I get into things, I want to ask us a couple of questions. I want to ask us, why do you think we are here? Why are we here in church? 
Why do we preach what we preach? Why do we do escaping Babylon? Why do we gather? Why does people put their hands up like the elders and saying, we want to lay our lives down for that of the, the flock of God? Why well, I see community leaders that, that saying, I want to be a community leader and give myself to looking after and caring and loving God's people. Why are we church? And this morning, I want to remind us of this thing, is that we are on this journey together. We're on this journey of walking out the kingdom of God on this earth together. And just like Andrews over this last while so aptly speak about just where God is structure and where the enemy comes and brings chaos and makes us the Makar and God comes and brings order and he sets people and things in place. There's something of a structure around the togetherness and the journey that we're meant to follow as we go along. Amen? And I know that for my heart, and I know I can speak for the elders, is that our hearts are absolutely set towards each and every person coming into the fullness of God's will for each and every one of your lives. No, not one of us are here going like, hey, I want to create the love doctor ministry, Kevin. Kevin is not trying to get an online dating site going. and uh, He's not trying to do that. No, his heart is set out on coming alongside marriages and helping them come into life. Helping them come into the, the beauty that it's meant to be. And for that, I know that he's willing to give his life, his time, his money, his everything. And so it goes for each and every one of us. It's not so that we can... So that we can stand at the top and go look at us. But so each and every one of us, we're on this journey together. And we're moving forward. If we stand still, we stay behind. If we move backwards, we stay behind. As so we want to say, come, let's move forward. And I believe that this is a time where all the reasons that we made it and the things that we made are slowly being pushed away, taken off, broken down. And God is going, why are you doing this? We're going to speak about it just now. I believe that we're in a time where God is testing our hearts. He's testing our hearts individually. But it has an effect in us corporately. And there's a corporate mission. I loved Andrew in the week shared something of we're all on this mission on Facebook. We're on a journey of preparing the bride for the day Jesus is coming back. And that journey is to be faithful to the testimony of Jesus and his salvation in our lives. That's why we are here. And so this morning, I'm not expecting you to sign a form or sign over your life or agree to the terms and conditions Um, on your phone or anything like that. But I want to invite you out and say, come and join us on this journey. Come and join us as we lay down our lives for each and every one of you to come into the fullness that God has for us. And for some, it is going to be to just serve coffee and serve it with a smile and with love. For me, it's going to be to clean the toilets and do it with a smile and do it in love as you've come out of the toilet. I'm there to serve you. Hopefully not. (laughs) 
But for each and every one, there's different things that we're going to be doing that's all part of this coming together of the journey of God in our lives and the journey that God wants to have through our lives. But for us as the elders, we can't do it alone. Each and every person plays a part. Each and every person is called to follow. Even for us as elders, for the deacons, for the community leaders, each one is following someone that is following Jesus. And I want to encourage us and invite us into that journey. I think many times of why am I giving myself to church? Why am I giving myself to to God to use? Because it's honestly not always easy. This week, it wasn't easy. (laughs) Honestly. And I came up with this. I'm here because I decided through what God has made known to me and in my personal life and shown me about himself in my heart, that through that I've decided to lay down my life for his purposes and for his will. That is it. It's not to have a ministry. It's not to even look holy or look like a big Christian not going to be a big Christian. I'm going to be a short one. But it's not to look that way. I don't care whether people think I'm Christian or not. I want to represent Jesus and his salvation in my life. I want to represent that as best as I can. And I'm going to do it with my money. I'm going to do it with my time. I'm going to do it with my wife. I'm going to do it with my family. I'm going to use absolutely everything I can that I can take my hands to. And I'm going to say, yeah, God. Use it. That's why I'm here. And I want to ask us as church, come and join me. Come and join us. Because it's not just, we don't just want to sing Kumbaya together. We don't just want to enjoy the times and the fellowship and the coffee. It's, these things are great. It's added benefits to us. But what we are here for is for Jesus. His salvation to be made known into the corners of the earth. His glory to be made known everywhere, every time, in every possible way forward. That's why we're here. And that's what we give ourselves to. And so I want to encourage us today. Come with us. This is a daily journey. It's one that takes up absolutely everything from us. But... It gives us Christ and Christ magnified into the highest. And that is more than anything you can ever attain or earn or do in your life. I want to say that to you, hands down. So join us, church. Join us on this journey. It's not a journey of my best life because sometimes we come to church and we think this is what we want. We want the best life. I want to have my life look like I'm healthy. (laughs) But when we come with that mindset and with that thing, it quickly either becomes something of where you pick up, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why is Yorich telling me no? Why is Kevin saying to me, hey, Rian, this thing in your life, you need to change that. This is not the best life anymore. This is now a challenging life. 
It's going to take absolutely everything from us. And I will say to us, we can attempt to have a blessed life, and like Andrew would call it, this blessed life that we think it, it needs to be. But this blessed life will build something in this life. It will look a certain way in this life. It might become a ministry. It might become finances. It might become a house. It might become many things. But as this world ends, and it will end, it's not when or if, it's when. When this world ends, all of that will go away with it. But building your life in Jesus and allowing him to come and take everything, it builds into eternity. Whatever gets built, whatever gets done, whether it's small or whether it's big, it gets built into eternity. And that is of great value. Amen? So this morning, this is all part of my, my, my preach, so don't worry. I'm not starting my preach now. Uh, but this morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to title my preach as Boo Says the Devil. Ooh. Boo, says the devil. See, what I found is that in our pursuit of the blessed life, we tend to not want to acknowledge that the devil is actually alive. That is there. We use him for things when your car doesn't start or when you bump your toe or when your coffee is bad or like just this devil. You know, you just can't leave me alone. No. <laughs> and I've seen in so many circles, and I'm speaking about Christians, in so many circles where you mention the devil, you mention a demon, and all of a sudden the room goes quiet. It's like somebody went, Mufasa. And it's like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Thanks, Kwandan, but no. Um, it's like, you mention the devil, you mention his name, Satan, Lucifer, whatever, the room goes quiet and people go, whoa, 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 what happened now? And the moment you start speaking about him, whoa, what are you doing? You're giving honor to the devil here. And we've got this fear and this thinking around the devil that if we don't mention his name, or if we don't acknowledge the fact that he's there, he's going to leave me alone. We had this parrot, African gray, growing up. And I would stand in the kitchen in the mornings and make my porridge or whatever, and I absolutely hated this African gray. I still do. He's dead, and I'm happy about it. <laughs> so this African gray... Would climb, out of his, would climb out of his cage and then he would walk till he gets into the kitchen and if he sees me, he turns around and he walks backwards. And it was, he was thinking that I can't see him because he's turned backwards towards me. And then he would walk all the way up to my feet and the moment I'm not looking at him, he turns around and he tries and bites my feet, my toes. And we do the same thing with the devil. He doesn't see me. Woohoo, Jesus is good. Okay, hello. We think the devil just leaves you alone. 
Mm-mm. Mm-mm. See, the Bible is actually very clear about the devil. <laughs> For many of us, in that first session with, with Andrew speaking about the dragon and Babylon, we're like, whoa, where did this come from? Facebook, take it off. WhatsApp, take it off. They're tracking me. It's like all kinds of things happen. Netflix, take it off. They're watching at us. They're telling you what to wear. You're telling them what to eat. They're telling you, be a vegan. And all of a sudden, the devil is everywhere. And we just go, where did that come from? What happened all of a sudden? The devil is actually real, guys. Watch out. <laughs> and to be honest, you should, see, should have seen some of your faces last week. When the Rilof started speaking. <laughs> and you're just like, what now? I said it last week. I said, you know, don't go fetch your tinfoil hats. Okay, tinfoil hats is for the aliens that want to read your mind, okay? And you can get garlic for vampires, okay? But you can kill them with a wooden stake, okay? So that cross that you're walking around with, and every time it's a bit dark, you pray to that cross and think, okay, just protect me, okay? You can actually use that to kill a vampire. It works better like that. But we make up these ideas to think, okay, when we see the devil, this is how I'm going to fight him. And we think it, it's all these physical things, so let me just do it. No. It's not what the Bible speaks about. And I think for us, for myself, we've come to this place where we've realized, sure, Babylon thinking is very deep into us. It's me, it's I, it's my thing, my. And I believe God is coming. And he's pressing his, his, his finger on the button. And he's wanting to deal with it. We're going to quickly go to the word. Because the Bible is clear about where the devil reigns. Like where is his rule. Where is his power? Where does it come from? Even what is his strategy? I mean, if there is a war that was ever, like, at all the opportunity to be won, we've got it. We've got, we know where his power comes from. We know how he works. We know what he wants to do. And we know what's the end of the war. We know all those things, just in Scripture. But yet you say Mufasa, and people shudder in the room. See, the Bible even gives us how to fight the, the, the devil and overcome him in his house. And so I felt for us as a church, as a congregation, that it's needed for us to respond the right way when we start hearing these messages of the devil. <laughs> That we don't come to a place of where fear overwhelms us. Because what now? What, what must I do? Must I cancel my Facebook? Like I remember with the whole WhatsApp thing, you know, the Antichrist and the devil and everybody is coming to track you on your WhatsApp. And all you do on WhatsApp is send Facebook pictures of scriptures and little funny memes and gifts. The devil doesn't care about your WhatsApp. <laughs> he doesn't care about your Facebook. I believe we need to react the right way. 
Because in it, there's something of an inheritance for us to take hold of. There's something of walking with God that we get to step into that otherwise wouldn't have been possible. Amen? Like you can talk about marriage, how beautiful it is, all the wonderful things that it possibly can add to you. But until you're married and you've experienced it, only then can you really speak of how beautiful it is. You guys get what I'm saying? And in the same way, if we look at Scripture and we actually start walking in a way that Scripture calls us, then we'll see what God actually might access for us in order to walk in and walk through and come out on the other side faithful. Because that's His heart for each and every one of us. So when we look at the Word, Scripture, Bible, we see a couple of things, and I'm going to just list a couple of things of what the devil does, how he works. It's, I'm here and then going to give you some scripture references. Um, but I want to encourage you, go and read for yourself. Because it's your salvation, it's your walk with God that you need to work out in front of God. Amen? We agree with that? Okay, awesome. He causes doubt in our hearts. To doubt the goodness of God. Did God really say? Does God really want this for you? He can have an influence in our health. We see that all over Job and Old Testament. We see this. He can have an influence in our health. Sickness. He tempts us. We all know Jesus being tempted and we're going we're gonna to go into that. Just now, he lies to us. He always speaks about the greener grass on the other side. He possesses people. He manipulates. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And here's the clincher, and I want to just sit with this a little bit. He can do only what God allows him to do. He can do only what God allows him to do. And all of the authority of the devil comes from God. Have you ever thought of that? God has given him reign over this world. But he's not outside. God does not get caught off guard by the devil. And God isn't scared of the devil. See, he's the one that ordains all power, all authority. It comes from God and God alone. Regardless of who you think is in power, I'm saying to you, God is doing something. We can't always understand it. And we're going like, God, you are, why would you do that? I don't know. It's God. He knows. The devil thought the same thing. That's why he was so nail-bent on getting Jesus to the cross. Because you think, he thought, yeah, what is he doing singing his son here? If I can kill his son, then this promise is over. There's no Messiah coming. But the devil couldn't see that God has a bigger plan. That God's power is far more reaching. Far more, it's outside of time. He couldn't understand that because he's not God. He's a God. He's not the God. And we that's sitting here, we are not serving a God. We are serving serving the God.
I believe this with everything inside of me. That fearing the devil is far worse than acknowledging that he exists, that he's active in trying to separate us from serving and loving God with all of our lives. I'm going to say that again. I believe that fearing the devil is far worse and more devastating than acknowledging the fact that he exists, that he's busy, active, he's trying to separate us from serving and loving God with all our lives. And I believe it's a time for us to stop fearing. I believe it's a time for us to stand firm. To actually come into a place of where we believe and we trust in our God. Not just say that we do, but that we do it. It's easy to say God is good when the milk and the honey is flowing like rivers. When that moment comes, this week, with some of the things that has happened, having to go to speak to, to people and speak to them about not knowing that their parents or their mom has passed away, in that moment, it's very difficult to hold on to the fact that God is good. So when those moments come, and it's not if they're going to come, it's when they are going to come. Because that's the promise that we find in Scripture. We find this promise of suffering, of trials, of tribulations, of a whole system and a world bent on trying to make you doubt God, deny Him, walk away from Him, not give yourself to Him. And so that's being promised more to us than blessing. But there's a way lot more blessing promised in sticking in it than just having it. Amen? So, I'm going to quickly read us a scripture. James 1, verse 13 to 15 says this. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Do you hear that? But, Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. It's not the devil made me do it. I made me do it. Then after desire has conceived, meaning it's clinched, it's hooked in. After desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. We think of the devil as somebody that's lurking around every corner and he's everywhere. I want to say to you, he's not everywhere. God is omnipresent. God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. The devil can't be everywhere all the time. If he knew everything or even just something, he would know to not touch Jesus and let him go to the cross. He would know that. He doesn't know that. He doesn't even yet know that the price has been paid actually. That his certain death and destruction into eternity is waiting for him. I don't think he knows it. He's thick. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. 
God knows everything. God is everywhere. And God is all-powerful. But for us, we've got things inside of us. Near scripture speaks about our desires. Last week, in our finance teaching, it spoke to us about Mark 10. But Jesus speaking about the rich man. How difficult it is for him to come into to come into the the kingdom of God. Now it's not actually got much to do with the monetary value or the richness. It's got everything to do with the ability to access and follow desires. I've got lots of money. I can do whatever I desire. If I don't have much money, I can't do much. And what I can do, I probably need to trust God in to come and do it. So in these two things, our money creates a vehicle. It creates something for us to accomplish our desires. And if our desires is rooted in a sinful life or in a a tree that is not bearing good fruit, what's going to come out, it's going to be bad desires. And so in that, for each and every person, there's this call to say, come and bring me your desires. Give me your eyes. Give me your heart. Because as we give it to God, then God can come and work and transform and change the way we're thinking and change our desires. Then scriptures come into play of, if you ask anything in my name or according to my will, it will be done. Why? Because the desires is not rooted in this old tree or this bad tree. It's rooted in the will of God. And we get to ask according to the will of God. What is his desires? What is his will? What is, what is the things burning in him? And come in line with him and actually walk alongside him. And see how he's busy working. See how he's busy doing. Our desires. Not the devil. Our desires. And I believe it's time for us. To see things the right way that we can stand. Because this is God's heart for us. He wants us to stand in the day of great tribulation. Now quickly say this to us. Just the scriptures speak about God testing. And so oftentimes you hear people say, Oh, God is just tempting me with this or tasting me with this. And I want to just give us a difference. God tests his people. He looks and he wants to test what's in their heart. It's never towards sin. It's always with the opportunity to walk and overcome sin. It's to strengthen our character. It's to strengthen our our faith and who we are in him. But he never tempts us. He tests us. He doesn't tempt us. Tempt us. Tempt is going. I saw this illustration of a guy speaking about this, and he was speaking, and he had a dog, and on this dog was just sitting there, and he took a, a piece of roast, which is very beautiful and it's smelly or whatever else, smells of meat, and he put this roast right next to this dog. And he says, This is my friend. I, I love him, and he, he loves me. This is my friend, the dog. But in front of the dog sat the dog's owner. And the owner was like, no, don't touch it. And this dog looks at the meat and he looks at his boss or his his owner. And the dog didn't touch the meat. 
That is temptation. Temptation gets put right here. Maybe it's an open door. Maybe it's an opportunity. Maybe it's a, what else could there be? Money, sweets, <laughs> jelly sweets. <laughs> it's a temptation every time. You can, shop can be as healthy as they want to be, but when you pay, there's going to be jelly sweets right next to you. <laughs> Those things are there, but in that moment, the place where we react to their temptation has got to do with who is our owner. If I'm my own and my desires and my owner and my Lord, I'm going to choose what I want to choose. I want to take the roast. But like this dog looking at his owner goes, no. Because he knows in his owner he finds, what's the word? Um, Satisfaction. He finds satisfaction that when he obeys, he gets something. And I'm not saying that God is treating us as dogs, but I hope you hear my analogy that I'm trying to make here. Temptation is an opportunity given to not trust in God. Temptation is an opportunity for us to not trust and believe in God. Because if we find in God everything that we need for life and for living, temptation is not going to come easily to our door. We're going to get into that. In Matthew 4, we see a great picture of all of this playing out. And so Jesus is praying and he's coming out of a 40-day fast. And a 40-day fast is not, he didn't fast Netflix or Facebook or WhatsApp or sweets or chocolate or even just coffee. He was hungry. He didn't eat for 40 days. I want to encourage you to try it. Become like Jesus. Okay. See what happens. <laughs> anyway, so he comes to the end of this, of this um, fasting time and he's... In the wilderness, and the devil comes to him, stands there with him. And the devil starts going like, hey, you know what I can do for you? I can give you bread. Now, I fast, maybe the longest that I fast for is maybe like five and a half, six days. And by that time, it's like everybody looks like a burger. Everything around me looks, it's like, I just get this flash of, uh, what's that movie, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. You know, it's like, just everything looks like food. You'll chow on the table. <laughs> but yeah, the devil comes to him and he kind of tempts him. And he's, Jesus answers him and says, but he answered in verse 4, it is written, Man shall not live by bread and bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's his response. He gives him this whole, look, you want this, you need this, you would love this. And yet Jesus comes. No, no, no. What is Jesus knows the owner? 
Here's the meat roast, the bread. Jesus knows the owner. Devil goes on. He takes Jesus to Jerusalem on a temple. And it says that he put him on the pinnacle of the temple. Now, the Jews is of the belief, told today still, that Jesus is going to come on the temple and he's going to rain down on this temple. So everything has been prophesied. But it's not been prophesied, it's been prophesied, but they understand it and they interpret it in the way that they want to read it. So here comes the, de- the devil and he takes Jesus and he puts him here on the top of this temple to make him look at, this is what you can have. This is what can be yours. It's like the people are anticipating it. And again, Jesus blocks him. And he takes Jesus and he takes him to a high mountain and he shows him the kingdoms of the world. And he says to Jesus, I will give you all of these that you see if you fall down and worship me. So, in scripture, let me just get the 1 John 2 verse 15. It says this, let me, let's read it. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. The world and its desires, we are here. And anything that we build here is going to be passed away. It's going to be wiped clean. But when you look at Jesus, and just even in the way that the enemy came, he came to Jesus knowing Jesus was hungry. And he turned the rocks into bread. Last of the eyes. He comes to Jesus and he brings him to the church. Of his people, the fame, the, oh, you get to step into something. Lust of the flesh. People acknowledge me, the way people see me, the way what people think of me, what I want, what I need. And then he comes, lastly, gives Jesus this view. See, God has promised Jesus the name above all names. And rulership with God. So Jesus knows that everything that's here already is is his. But see, the devil wanted to give Jesus a shortcut and go, cool, no, no, I can give it to you now. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cause you to have to go to the cross. Don't worry, man. Don't have to suffer. Come have a good life. Prayed. Your people will worship you. I'll give you all this land. How many things come to us sounding like that? I get to take the shortcut. Don't have to trust God in it. Don't have to let God do what he needs to do. And he says, yes, all the world and everything in it. Pride of life. My power, my presence, my ministry. And Jesus just stops him because he knew. He knew his owner.
James 4, verse 7 to 8 says this. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So he comes, Jesus comes out of this time where he's given himself to God. He's pre- preparing his heart and his spirit for what he needs to endure from this moment forward. So there was a drawing near in Jesus' heart. And in that moment, he knew this is a shortcut. He knew this is the enemy coming in. He even quoted back to him scripture because he knew it. And it gave him all the keys in order to fight and resist the devil. Where are we today? Can we do that also? I don't think we need to go on a 40-day fast for the devil to bring us bread. And we'll probably take it. Me included. One Peter five is eight to nine. Be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Yo, so many times that it gets Caesar's resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brother throughout the world. Resist him, firm in your faith. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I'm now paraphrasing another scripture there. But it's like every time it comes back to this place of where resist the devil, know who's your owner. Know who's your owner. The roast can sit right there next to you. You know you will not move. Romans 10. Verse 17, sorry, time is running out and we've got to end it. Consequently, and this is where the clincher comes in. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when we look at the word, the word builds us up into God. If we give ourselves to this, if we give our hearts to him, he builds us up. He makes us stand firm. He helps us to have faith in the day when the trial comes. He helps us to see things not according to this world, but according to his reality, his kingdom, his power that is at work. But if we're not going to do that, if we're going to go the other way, and like honestly, I've, I've done this in my own life. And I've seen so many other Christians do it in their own life. If I walked a different walk with God in the first three years that I got saved, I probably would have been further on in my walk with God than what I am today. Because we get saved. Okay, cool. I'm coming into this new life with God. And then we think we know everything. Cool, cool. Worship at church is enough for me to feel close to God. That preach is enough for me to get close to God. Community is enough for me to be close to God. 
And all around the week, the devil is stripping me up and stealing my money and taking my this and putting all these ads in front of me and causing Netflix to have porn on them. And like, it's the devil, the devil, the devil. But actually, I'm just following my own desires. Now, I want to say this, that even though the devil is is one, he's been sent with a third of the angels that's fallen with him. So there's demons and things. And we need to address those things in our lives. But even if you think of Jesus, when he sent out the disciples, there was a, a demonized person in the town, and he said to these guys, hey, go, go deal with it. They came in like I was, thinking, cool, we've got the guns. Come on, demons, we're going to kill you. And they come in and they shoot. Blanks. It's actually a Nerf gun. Didn't work. And they get clapped by this demon. And they come back to Jesus. Yes, you won't know what happened. What does Jesus tell them? Some of these only come out. Why? How? Prayer, fasting. Standing firm in your faith. Knowing the word of God, allowing it to have an effect in your life, allowing it to grow roots into your being. It's coming to that place. And I'm not saying we just, I'm sorry if I offend you, but it's coming to that place of where we are like a dog that wants to come to his owner. And it's humility. It's humility. Worship gets explained like this in the Greek. It's a dog that sits beside his master, licking his master's hand. That's the picture of worship in the Greek. It's a word called, a word called proskuneo. I might be speaking on the correction here. might be a different word, but I, this is how I remember it. That's the image of worship in Scripture. So even Jesus speaking to his disciples that have seen him in the flesh, they saw how he walked on water. They know all these things that we go, wow, look at the spirituality. Look how, how, how spiritual and how deep they are. They've seen all the power, all the magnificence and the miracles. And still Jesus goes and sees him, this thing, that's how you move with it. So I want to ask you, the things that you're facing at the moment, How much time is spent in prayer regarding those things? Versus how much time is spent in moaning about how bad it is? And here comes, and this is what I'm going to end off with. We know this very well. Maybe just there where you're at. Quickly close your eyes. I'm just, Father, I want to pray that as I read the scripture, I pray that we will not look at it with our physical eyes, with our physical understanding, God. I, don't, I pray that we, we, we come and we allow your Holy Spirit to come and illuminate, God, the, the deepness of what it is that you're saying here, God. That it will become like bread and nourishment to our bodies. And it will cause in us to walk differently. Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 20, speaks about the armor of God. And we know this so well. 
but we miss it still. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Not your might, His might. Not your understanding, His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. God is giving us 100% of his strategy, how to fight it, where to fight it, and how to go about it. We come to God and we think about the scripture of putting on the armor of God. And it's like you walk out of the door and something happens and you go, oh, shucks, I didn't this morning put on the helmet of salvation. Ay, 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 this. Oh, the the shield of faith. Ah, shucks, this thing came and it just hit me over. I should have put on, I forgot to do it this morning. No, that's not how this works. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. This is not a battle we fight with one another. This is not a battle we even fight with those outside of the kingdom of God that are evil and bent at breaking you. They are just acting with what is inside of them. But I want to say to you, God loves Osama bin Laden as much as he loves me. And he wants him to be with him. And if we see our battle against flesh and blood, we will never get to that place where we can look at him and love him and tell him about Jesus. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, And that therefore means because this is where it's at. This is where the battle is at. You need to actually understand that that you don't have what it takes to fight this. You need the armor of God in order to fight it where you need to fight it. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all To stand firm. Having done all to stand firm. That is not something that you need to answer to me, to the elders, your community leader, the deacons, to Nelson Mandela, to Andrew Seeley, to no one. You have to answer that to God. God, have I done all in order to stand firm? You've given it to me. You've shown me. You've told me. Have I done everything I could with that. That's just that statement. It says, having done all to stand firm, it changes the way that we actually pray. Because if we start praying, God, help me to stand firm. God, what do I need to do in order to stand firm in this difficult situation? We actually pray then in accordance to the will of God. Because this is his heart for us. To stand firm. To stand faithful. Versus me praying like, Sure God, don't you just want to clap your God, don't you just want to take him away? God, can't you just take me away? 
No, 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 no. God doesn't want you to flee. God wants you to stand. God wants you to stand. Because standing shows of his power. Because everybody knows around us, we can't stand. We're a bunch of poofters. Verse 14. So stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The belt of truth comes from God. The breastplate of righteousness comes from God. And the shoes to your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, comes from God. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Let's stop there. Where does faith come from? From hearing the word of God. That's the written word of God. It's the spoken word of God. It's coming into that place where we've drawn near to God. He draws near to us and he builds and stirs within us faith to stand. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation. Again, comes from God. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Perseverance is just another way of saying. Be vigilant as you stand As you stand there, as you persevere, as you keep on going, watch out. Making supplication, prayer for all the saints. And also for me, and he speaks about himself, that the words be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I'm an ambassador in chains, that I may declare boldly as I ought to speak. Helmet of Salvation. It's the understanding of the salvation of God inside of us. Scripture calls us to get into the word of God so that we can be renewed, transformed by the way that we think. That's the salvation, the grace, the mercy, the the forgiveness of God at work in our minds. And as it's at work in our minds, it comes down to our hearts and we get to live it out with understanding. God calls us to mature in our understanding of him, in our understanding and the way that we walk out our relationship with him. And then the last one, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's the one thing that is not a protection. It's the one thing that is offensive. If I've got a sword in my hand, you can come and challenge me. See what happens. It's the one thing that we get to cut down the work of the enemy. And where do we find it again? In the word of God. Let's close our eyes. As our eyes are closed, 
It's a small scripture I want to read us. It just puts us into perspective. And the role that we play in this. So 1 John 4 verse 4, it says this. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. And by them it speaks of the devil and his enemy in the world. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Little children, you are from God and you have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. 